Starting fresh. Be right back. Hmm. All alone in the room. Hmm. Mm. 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 <laughs> what should I, what is going to happen? What should I do? <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your weekly podcast that delivers a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 Transformers movie. This is episode 65, meaning that we're going to cover the one hour, four minute, and one second mark (laughs) to the one hour and five minute mark. This is your host, ladies and gentlemen, and I have some news for you. By the tone of our text exchanges, we knew it was bound to happen. There's been a rift in our friendship, and Ryan and Caleb have left the podcast. But fear not, listeners. I wouldn't just continue a show without adequate replacement hosts. I know they're your favorite part of the show, so I spent some time in the old science garage, and I'm happy to present to you my new co-hosts, Evil Robot Ryan and Evil Robot Caleb. Just like the originals in every way, only evil. Thank you. My name is Evil Ryan Robot. I was made well... Who are you? Um, <laughs> well, I would think that I would actually be the the non-evil Caleb, right? <laughs> so, like, oh, I, so, so yeah, in that case, I'd be like, hey, I sure had a really nice text conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> I like the mirror how, universe version is you being polite. Yes. You're, you're supposed to, first of all, you're the same in every way, only evil. That doesn't mean you talk that way, Ryan. You said unless, I was a robot. Unless, well, you're a robot, but you can, you, you're really advanced. You've the Bill and Ted robots movement. don't talk that normal way, do they? Yeah, they talk the Did normal they? way. They moved really weird. They moved a little weird at first, but they got over maybe it. I, they, maybe I'm they misremembering that. They could that. pop their heads off and slam dunk So them. you didn't like what was, my improv No, it, it just sounded like you had a stroke. You sounded like Mrs. Delano. Oh, God. Well, that's no, a reference someone nobody will get. Nobody gets. It sounds like Mr. Herman calling. We miss paging <laughs> Mr. Herman. I, <laughs> I think, well, think about this. We, we would sound like West. We sound like a Westworld host. I have not seen that show. Oh, that's a good show. Anyway. I'm, I, with, I'm with you, if Caleb. I'm, if I'm, I'm, up, robot, I'm up to speed on my episodes. Yes, and I, and I appreciate that. And I'm going to send you a very nice text because of our... Amazing friendship. I don't want to talk about sexual things. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a replacement. <laughs> so I guess what inspired this was the news that uh, uh, I, I, I'm just over the moon that they're going to make a Bill and Ted 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you heard I that, saw that, I saw that on Twitter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really know that? <laughs> yeah, I knew it, but I, I don't I, You, you don't, don't want to talk about it? No, I'm fine. I just I think I've seen those movies a little bit. So sorry, I sorry. Uh, can't wait. Uh, but the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure surprisingly has a seventy-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't, I didn't know it would be that high. That is surprising. I, I feel like also though it might be getting a bump from being older than Rotten Tomatoes. Sometimes older movies think I so? feel like get kind of like if that were released today. Well, it would be different today. But comedies don't generally do that well on Rotten Tomatoes because critics don't like comedy. Well, I will note that Bogus Journey has a less surprising fifty-four percent. It was a it was not a good sophomore effort. Do you know what this I was thought it was be? great. It's I mean, fine. it wasn't as good 
as for sure. I think that rating is about right. It's enjoyable, but I don't think it's good. Do you know what this one's going to be called? Um, I think there is. It's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Interesting. Oh. And I, see, this is what I, I find this life. interesting, like the idea of middle-aged Bill and Ted, which is what I always thought they should have made a middle-aged um, Ferris Bueller. Like that shithead, what he turns out to be, yeah. because he's not a good person. Not really, no. I, I mean... He seems to have it all figured out, but you know yeah, he's just, just a like, shitty kid who takes advantage of his friend. Yeah, I would. Just, well, yeah, but first of all, uh, I think we. May, I don't remember if we discussed this previously on air. They would never make that movie because that movie would just be the uh, friend character in an insane asylum. Because <laughs> we know now that uh, Ferris Bueller is just a figment of his imagination. What is that character's name? Uh, 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 when, the buddy character Cameron. 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 Are you serious? Is is insane and uh, his. I've not heard he's, this he's, fan theory. <laughs> well, it makes sense because I watch I, the movie through that lens. He's schizophrenic. Yeah. Ferris love... Bueller is but a, a made up version of his own personality that he gets to live vicariously. So it's like kind of like a Tyler cool. Durden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like a Sixth Sense situation. Mm-hmm. Not really that. Um, that's interesting. I do like watching movies through lenses of crazy conspiracy theory, sort of like what, like, or fan theories of the, maybe this. I like that one. The homosexual overtones of Top Gun. That's a good one. That's pretty overt. That's <laughs> oh, playing with the boys. I mean, the volleyball scene, the part the in the locker fives. room where they're like inches from each other. It's. Yeah. I wonder. They are. I see them, and I saw them when I saw it as a kid. I felt like they were the love story was between Iceman and Maverick. Um, but I, that's got to be intentional, right? Like, no, I, I don't think. Honestly, I don't think. I don't think they were aware of what they were doing when they made that movie. I can't. It's so hard. It's I like I think it was. It was so. I mean, and again, I, I, I think it was so masculine that they boys. didn't realize that that they were. Actually, you know, sending off some signals. There. There's, there's a Tar- there's a movie I don't know the movie with a Qu- with Quentin Tarantino playing like a cameo role where he does a like his monologue of like theories and he talks about Top Gun where like there's that volleyball scene and then the next scene you see um, what's her name and she's like wearing sunglasses and a jacket and looking like a man to try to get him back and uh, it's I, anyway but saying that the I don't know I don't know that's like saying in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 when they were making it everybody says they didn't realize that there were homosexual overtones and it's like it's not even subtext it's just text I, you might not have seen that movie in a while but which movie? Nightmare on Elm Street 2 no. I can't remember uh, basically, it's the guy, the lead character is trying to avoid pussy as hard as he can, and keeps going to his best friend, and like it's pretty, it's pretty clear. I don't see why it has to be one or the other. It could be gender fluid. It's know? not. All yeah. I wanted to do is talk about Bill and Ted, guys. Well, I do like that. I <laughs> which I makes you wonder if Bill and Ted are actually are are attracted to each other because of the overt. Uh... But what about the medieval babes? <laughs> I think it's. A... <laughs> I mean, they're trying so hard. They're I like, trying so hard could, I, to avoid. Could, uh, they're trying so hard to avoid accepting the fact that they're attracted to each other. That they travel through time to distract themselves. If you want it. hard enough, you can see homosexual overtones in any male friendship, guys. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe mean. that will be the. Uh, <laughs> I'll just let the listener imagine what, what I happened touched. there. Maybe that will be the whole conflict of Bill and Ted. Doubtful. Face the music. 
That would be awesome. an unfortunate title if it were the case. I just like how they act like moronic stoners, but they never actually reference weed in those movies. Yeah, that's good. They're, I just always they're thought total, of them as more like the SoCal yeah, that's, that's not what it's stoner about. surfer morons. I, just I guess I never thought of them as stoners. I just thought of them as like, yeah, Southern California surfer dudes. Yeah. Uh, There is an unfortunate uh, homosexual slur in Bogus Journey. I don't know if you remember. I don't. I haven't seen that one very many times. uh, The part where the evil robots throw the real Bill and Ted and murder them, throw them off a cliff. Oh, and they hug? they They call them a name. And, isn't there? Uh, but isn't there a scene? Is maybe it's not that movie. Or maybe it's maybe it's the first one or something where they hug and then they push each other away and use the f word. Oh yeah, it's the that's same un- f word in the second. That's Dang un- it! That's unfortunate. They call. They say the the. It was very casual back then to yeah. drop that into movies. Right. Ugh. Uh, William Sadler was death. You'll know, and he's oh, gonna yeah, be, yeah. he's gonna be back in uh, this movie apparently. The bad guy in uh, Die Hard Two. And to connect. To uh, he was naked in Die Hard. He too. was. You saw his speaking buns. of of homosexuality, <laughs> little buns so, for the solid, ladies. Solid and bun action. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then just I don't know if this character will be back, but just to bring it back to Transformers, so we can move on in life. Let's not forget Frank Welker as Station, the Devil, and the Evil Easter Bunny in uh, Bogus Journey. No Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, we talked about it before, but we're talking about it again. Cool. So, last episode recap. We saw some epic fight sequences. We saw Retgar versus Springer knock down, drag out in robot and car mode, with Springer basically losing the duel, but being saved at the last minute by none other than Autopod Decepticast's favorite character, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just as there is, slight... I like Daniel now. <laughs> He's your man. Just as there <laughs> is a slight pause in the action, the magnificence. That is the Quintesson ship, piloted by none other than Cup and Hot Rod, arrives on the scene. Well, they're not going to let the Dinobots pilot it. (laughs) They let them run a munitions factory. It's true. They were running that factory. (laughs) So right here at the top of the minute, the Quintesson ship, no lubrication, penetrates... (laughs) The virgin flesh that is the Junkion planet. It actually... Would you really call the Junkion uh, surface virgin? (laughs) It looks pretty used. It's got a lot of of garbage I will say this... I think you called it a trash planet last week. (laughs) Well, it is, literally. Yeah, so... Just just because it's unpenetrated doesn't mean it can't be a little dusty. I don't think it's it's all too unfamiliar with uh, what's going on here. Um, Since I will say that, like, the way it just plows into that, in a sexual uh, connotation, it made me think of the way bedbugs reproduce. Because female bedbugs don't have an orifice. They are penetrated by the male stabbing his penis through their abdomen and dumping semen into their cavity. I am not surprised that you know this. I know a lot about a lot. Or I know a little about a lot. I love the uh, completely believable animation of the of the way the, the debris way is drills. tossed. Yeah, yeah it's really like, cool. It looks awesome. Lots of Autobots and Junkions. They're all kind of staring in awe here. And then Retgar, rubbing his skull, no doubt from the injury he recently sustained, tells his men to, at least for the moment, I think this means to stand down. He says, uh, Steady as she goes, Bob. Snooty visitors get mud in the eye. By and by, fill them at 11. Snooty, snooty. I think he says Snoopy. Well, Snoopy or Snooty, yeah, I guess. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, really. But <laughs> it doesn't, no. I, I did make some notes about this because it's weird. Did you, did you have notes about what he says? I do. Snooty okay, go ahead. Get um, Can you translate this for me? To me, it seems like he's moved from dated pop culture references to a more general idiomatic phrases mm-hmm. at this point. But uh, the steady as she goes phrase... Um, 
I mean, essentially that means, like, be careful, avoid sudden what? change. It has origins as a nautical phrase to helmsmen to keep on the current yeah, course. Yeah, see, I took it as he's, like, saying that about the ship landing. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like... Okay, I took it to mean, like, everybody kind of mm. hold hold back down for a but second. But be alert. Right, okay. exactly. Well, I, I, in my mind, ever since I was a kid, I've always thought of it as, like, him, do, like, backseat driving. It could be both. I like well, and that's what I took with the film at 11 part. Like, we'll take action as soon as we have an, a news update kind of thing, mm. right? Like the, the, that's a good, once, that's an interesting. We're, we're di- like thinking about this way more than Ron Friedman thought about this. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, it, you know, Steady As She Goes is also an awesome song by the Raconteurs. I, that's whenever I Googled it, that's all I could find. Oh, really? It's just the, I had to eventually, I had to eventually do the minus sign raconteurs <laughs> to get any other information. So mud in the eye is kind of a weird one because typically mud in the eye is considered a toast, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find any really solid evidence of the origins of that phrase. Some people believe that it originated in the muddy trenches of World War One, but there's evidence to believe dumb. that it's a lot older and that it is a reference to farmers kind of toasting each other, I guess maybe farm communities together at the beginning of a season, perhaps toasting um, to a you know to a bountiful crop. Uh, but it is bandied about it's been used in saloons at least as early as 1890. Mm-hmm. It's popular with fox hunting, horse racing crowds, and and actually there may be some biblical connection. <laughs> this to one the was phrase. my favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead because I um, don't have that much about it. Okay, so it's definitely not this, but and there's an a, a episode of the Bible. <laughs> there's a verse of the Bible, John nine one to nine forty one. Where it's um, uh, where Jesus spits in the dirt and rubs it into mud and rubs the mud at a blind in um, yeah. Celadonius's eye, a blind man's eye, curing his sight. Now, a couple of things on this: you don't have to do that. You don't have to rub mud in the dude's face. You're, You're Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> you can just put your hand over his fa- eye, can't you? You're making some stupid. But I if he like, wants a metaphor, maybe he's. Of course, because that's what. Uh, yes, of course. The reason is because we wrote it this way. <laughs> it did not happen. But like, it's just like it feels so shitty. If like, if Jesus was doing that, he's just being an asshole. I'm sure there was some sort of symbolism there. Of course, yeah. That's all there are is like anecdotes about like metaphors and whatever. Uh, but like, I just thought that hilarious. That that that's where people that's think that maybe it comes from, but it's definitely not that. So some might say that you the, don't think it comes from that story. No, because mud in your eyes a toast. I mean, it doesn't. But and maybe, also, but, but, it, but if the, Jesus but put mud in somebody's eye and made them he, see, that's good luck. He, that's good. He, that's I like a, that's cured the man. He did the man a favor. It works back engineering it, but the fact it doesn't show up in print until the 1800s. I mean, sure. so some might say that the origins of the phrase are muddy. <laughs> oh fuck! No! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. The you, he actually mimed taking off the sunglasses, <laughs> listeners. Except you, I think you're supposed to put the sunglasses on. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> it it all up. Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> so the phrase by and by, I feel like Retgar at this point is talking the way Ryan uh, wishes he talked. By and by just simply represents some vague, far-off time <laughs> in the future. Uh, film at 11, I don't believe that newscasters use this phrase anymore. 
But anyone who no. is of Gen X age or older will understand that in News Bumps, viewers are often informed that there's some breaking news story in effect and that there's going to be footage at the 11 o'clock broadcast. We live in the central time zone, so we didn't ever have 11 o'clock broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's more o'clock. of an east coast, west coast thing. We had but yeah, o'clock. we had a 10 o'clock time yeah, zone, so they probably central... said film at 10 if, around these parts. Yeah, it was central and mountain time, which nobody gives a shit about. Um, uh, it was at 11 on the coast. Yeah, I, I looked that up too, and it's like apparently this started in the 70s when you had to actually shoot the film and get it developed and everything, And it, but it was like the beginning of sensation journalism of like right. it's a teaser right stay Ooh, don't, don't change the channel no don't touch that dial. no flipping as gary sandler sand sander so what i'm, I, I'm tra- out so i just translated all this to saying chill for a sec bros these maybe friends will know in the not too distant future Nice. That's I, some Cockney rhyming Jamaican Cockney rhyming patois something. type shit. Um, I w- did forgot to say this up top because we, uh, you know, but how the fuck do they know where the Ultra Magnus and the rest of them are? How do Hot Rod and Cup know where to go? Yeah, uh, there's no real indicators of that, and not even in the script that I have. No, my script either, and it's like the one thing—not the one thing, but <laughs> one the only thing <laughs> that can stop. Um, it's the one, but it is a major thing in this movie that. I literally can't come up with an excuse for. Like, there's, it's not even hinted at. There's no theory I can come up with. Unless the only... I mean, we can assume these ships have radars, and we can assume these ships have, uh, you know, landmass. And we have to assume that Quintessa and Junk aren't that far from each other, seeing as how sure. whenever that battle yeah. happened, one went one way, and then these guys continued the other way, and they said it's in this vicinity. So... Maybe it was just a guessing. That was the most reasonable place for them to be based on some funky science triangulation. The only maybe, super... Go ahead, go. I was going to say, maybe they just maybe that ship just needed to fuck the closest planet they could find. <laughs> oh my God, it's been so long since I was in space. I got to get my dick wet yeah. in this junk. Um, the only That's one, right. the only like half-ass thing I'd come up with is maybe they had a tracking device on the shuttle that was obliterated. I mean, shit, planes crash in the black, and the this beacon can still be found sometimes. I, right. I have a theory Perhaps. that none of that is correct, and we they just, just didn't to, think about it. Right. They just needed to marry these characters up with the other characters, and why not just fly? It just in. seems like you got a throwaway line of like why that happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That is the dog. There's a dog sneezing. with allergies in this. Oh my, oh my God. God! Lucy, you all right? <laughs> she looks like I didn't realize Fluffy was in here too. Yeah, he's There's just a dog chilling. and a cat in here. Yep. Um, These okay. are our, our arc. Um, we are six seconds into the minute. Retgar's kind of in awe here. Uh, we've continued to see the ship thrusting into the quivering mass that is the rusted crust of Junkion. It's not. It's not really a thrust. It's more just kind of a tw- a drill. A drill. Um, and then some support legs come out for some reason, and the only we mentioned in the we mentioned in the last episode that uh, the bottom of the ship looks like the bottom of the Quintessons themselves, and I feel like these could represent maybe the the tentacles. But yeah, legs yeah. come out for some reason, but I don't feel like those extra legs would do anything to really support that anymore, though. Yeah, it's true; they're pretty spindly, <laughs> and that's so. a very top-heavy <laughs> ship situation. Once here. again, the ship. Just spun itself into a planet to land. And, and luckily it poke. spun itself with the door facing the crowd. Oh, that's great. Uh, so a hatch opens, falls to the ground, and who <laughs> emerges? Who could it be? It's Hot Rod! And Cup and the Dinobots! <laughs> and Wheelie, too! <laughs> Never forget about Wheelie. Uh, Retgar approaches. Cup kind of uh, lifts his gun. 
And uh, Hot Rod, with his newfound wisdom, says, Guns aren't exactly friendly. And then uh, Cup, who believes that's a childishly unwise statement, says, Neither are they, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, Hot Rod has uh, even more sweet wisdom. He remembers the universal greeting. What was that again, gentlemen? I think it was, Ba weep grana, weep ninibang. Thank you. Ba weep grana, weep ninibang. <laughs> is that your Rekka or the truck or the Alicons? Whatever. I don't know what it is. Yeah. All right. Anymore. Ba weep grana, weep ninibang. Ba weep grana, weep ninibang. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. So yep. that's exactly how it went in the movie. Hot Rod repeated the greeting, yep. delivered the goodie into Rekgar's hand. Uh, at this point, the entire entourage of Junkions erupt into applause and chant the universal greeting. We see a screen. We're panning across a wide array of Junkion types. Um, they're all celebrating. I do think it's interesting, uh, right before that, where he does the, like come down to the ship and hand him the Energon goodie. They start to play a slowed-down, kind of stylized mm-hmm. version of Dare to be Stupid, mm-hmm. which yeah. I never noticed before listening in the headphones. Um, I, I, uh, one other thing I noticed is, like, where'd they get the fucking Energon goodies? Out of his crotch. What are you talking about? They were out. I bet you that it's kind of the ship itself. I mean, it obviously has power running it. Perhaps they can plug into the ship power up. Like like so many USB ports into the computer sure. get some energy. I wanna, yeah. I want to think that they, that the, at least Cup anyway, like makes them inside. Like he's like creating like these little energon. Well, like, I thought of that maybe turds, they regenerate like, like boogers. Or yeah, something. Like boogers. It's like his crotch. Or boogers. they stole them from the Quintessons. These be. were the ideas. Like why wouldn't you? I maybe, mean, you might yeah. as well. Maybe. Maybe uh, it was in a mini bar. Maybe the Dinobots had some. Maybe, oh, maybe Wheelie um, had some. They don't That's give true. the Dinobots money. <laughs> is it? I guess it is like money or a treat. It's yeah, stand, it's, it's edible money. So we things. covered that one. Yeah, like, we couldn't decide Here's a treat was... for you to eat. Yeah. Here's a treat for oh, you God. to eat. Um, I believe a friend of the show, Serge Bomba, put in a request that uh, Wheelie just be here the whole show. Well, he has more than a few bad ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired across the bow at Serge Bomba. Sean... Come back at us, I, I'm, bro. I'm playing around. He's he's funny. He engages a lot and wants us to do G.I. Joe the movie like we oh. did this. Yeah. We'll see about that, buddy. <laughs> there was an interest, that I was would like to. But. Exchange where you did, he, like, uh, 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 Mike Seibert said, um, but that movie's terrible. And then that was the yeah, gif. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Burt gif. Mm-hmm. I loved it. The I'll do G.I. Joe the movie if we can do it ten minutes at a time. Yeah, I'm not as emotionally connected to it. I was more connected. Caleb would be our our expert. You'd have to host it. That's then, the Caleb. problem. I don't want to do that. <laughs> he doesn't want to. I want to do l- as much or less than I'm doing on this podcast. That's, that is correct. <laughs> and can we meet up less often? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Serge, I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like we're going to take a little vacation once this thing's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's your Autopod Decepticast gossip page update. I, start, I actually was thinking about this the other day because I think about all the time whenever this ends. Because every time I pull up this movie, I see how far we are into it. Yeah, we're at 65 minutes. Yeah, and um, <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> um, 20 to go. And so I start thinking about what we're going to do after after it or whatever, and I then I the way I kind of try to 
comfort myself is thinking of it as like making movies where you don't just make this, you know, continue. Well, some people do, I guess, continue making the same movie, but it's like you go on to a new project after taking a little break or whatever. And maybe mm-hmm. we do that or, or maybe we don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, those are definitely options. We those are all the options. We'll, we'll, we'll see each other again after this, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, yeah, I plan on it. Okay. Who knows what the future will bring? Man. All right, that was a down. That was kind of depressing. All right, moving uh, on. It's really it's kind of cryptic almost. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a murder suicide situation. Yeah. Well, so, where we left off 5 minutes God. ago was that Hot Rod gives Retgar some energy. Mm-hmm. They recite the universal greeting. We see all the different variations of Dancing uh, which by the way, the proportions on Junkions are very fluid. Like they're sometimes wacky. they're about in alignment with human beings and sometimes they're kind of short and squatty. And then just like the best part of Slumdog Millionaire, an improvisational yet very well choreographed dance party kicks off, complete with ring around the rosy, cha-cha slides, safety dances, and all other manner of wedding day reverie. And with that, we're at the end of the minute. And uh, Caleb, what do you see over here in the corner? I see Nancy. I see Nancy there. I see Nancy there. I see Nancy there. I see Nancy there. There are junkions here in this scene. This is I sweet. Before this, I never noticed that before. Of course not. Yeah, I have a lot actually. I I watch this scene a lot. Um, I hate the Dinobots dancing. Slag is bouncing up and down like my dog when I go to feed her. I want to see what they look like. They're just going left and right. No, Slag starts bouncing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, look at uh, look at RC's move there. She's like doing some kind of she's yeah. Break she dancing. does like and uh, Wheelie does some break dancing, but that's mostly in the next scene. Yeah, Perceptor's kind of just waving. Back oh wow! And forth. Hot Rod and and uh, oh, this is actually it was interesting to me. This is one of the longer uncut scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. There is uh, this shot of the ring around the rosy, all the junkions dancing around, uh, and then the circle with the Autobots and Retgar in the middle is one of the longest uncut moments in the entire movie. It is almost a full 10 seconds. And it's one of those scenes where, that's why I watch this, look, he's right here, Hot Rod dips Retgar. Yep, you're right. That's really funny. It was cool, yeah, I liked that moment. Um, I almost want to watch each individual character. That's what I did, because I was like, I thought, this is a classic... um, uh, Wheelie is breakdancing. A classic trick of uh, animation where they're just looping this. But no, it's all all different. I have to give them more credit, because, yeah, this is, like, the only person who doesn't see... And then Perceptor does Staying Alive. Yeah, yeah. And if you notice Cup, he does the same thing the whole time, which is like so it looks the like shaking out a blanket also. move. He's he's the old white man of this movie. <laughs> not not old, but a little too old to be in the club. Daniel, I mean, they spent a lot more time on this. I'm assuming Daniel's that the circle yeah. is probably the same animation yep. sequence. They're riding, yeah. going around a circle, doing a kick one way, then it... That's it. Uh, wow. It's very like. That's um, incredible. I yeah. really thought that they were the, using some lazy animation tricks. Turns dips, out they were not. The dip's cool. I never would have I loved it. I loved that that's part. That's a really cool little hidden thing. I don't know if you'd ever notice that. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, and I, it was just because I was going to try to get some gotcha journalism of like, ah, oh, they just went lazy with it. But then I was so pleasantly surprised. I watched that for like 10 minutes. Nice. Uh, that brings us to the end of the minute, guys. Mm-hmm. Quick discussion around the universal greeting. The uh, TF Wiki uh, says that according to Marvel Comics, the universal greeting is understood by most creatures in the galaxy 
It is roughly translated to, hello, we mean you no harm, or we come in peace. Nice. When you said hello, I immediately went, you fool, I love you, in my head. Not, is it me you're looking for? Right. Oh, that's a good, good one, too. Right. Lots of musical references. Or, hello, how are you? What's that one? Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, not hello. as recognizable. How are you? <laughs> as a kid... I was so charmed by the idea of the universal greeting. That's a pretty... Oh, it captured like my imagination a, hugely. That felt like a unique thing about this movie that you don't really see mm-hmm. in other movies. You've got the... I mean, I think Douglas Adams and the Babble Fish already existed, which... Not really the, the same thing, but... It's not but really the same, same like idea. Like with Star Trek, the universal able... translator. But yeah, this is different where it's like... You know, we've all agreed that this is I come in peace or whatever. Uh, this is also a significant minute because the... The protagonists, uh, they finally reunite. Yeah. After, it's been a while. Yeah, after leaving they leaving Earth. Which is like, it's a classic. Under duress. It's not done very well, but it's the classic, like, hero's journey wheel. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I the Universal Greeting, I mentioned this on a previous episode. I even, my comic strip that I did, Herschel, I even, it was a crossover uh, with you, Aaron, where you made uh, a knockoff of I think, my I think, Garfield knockoff, which think, is Hermie. Yeah. Ugh. And then I did a, a crossover. Copy of a copy of a copy. You yeah. know that's the most garbage thing. It's third generation, baby. And then um, I did a comic strip where it was, I don't even remember the, con- oh, it was just an introduction of a crossover where Hermie knocks on the door, and then they do they do the universal greeting at each other, and then I did the star thing in comics where you put, do a dialogue mm-hmm. box that translates it, so mm-hmm. it was memorable. A la Marvel comics. Yep. Remember, issue 72. Uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Where Starscream electrocuted every member of the Transformers, killing almost all of them. Do you guys remember that? I like don't. The Underbase I don't series that. in the Marvel comics. Uh, everybody was seeking out this mystical thing called the Underbase. I can't remember where it came from, but Starscream got to it, got all kinds of superpowers, killed like everybody. Oh, is that the one where he becomes enormous? He became enormous and very... I remember that cover. Which was a really cool cover. But yeah, it's been a while since I read most of those. So these guys are friends now. Uh, but it seems like as a kid, even though I was enchanted by the universal greeting as an adult, I'm like, that's all you need? Uh, yeah, Let's I think it it's go. a shortcut, maybe. Sure. I, think- I don't know. It's, comp- it's, a, it's a weirdly complex d- thing because initially it gets them captured anyway. And then here it's just a way to like get us to Cybertron. Right. Well, I guess it's time to... Rip deviations. <laughs> Why are you sorry? The look of panic. Well, I was, well, I was paying attention, but I, I, couldn't, I thought... I couldn't think it was the iconic moment or scripting. I actually did. I feel like that we've already covered... Too. I, mean, I feel like we've already covered the iconic moment in a way. Um... So the listener, uh, long-time listeners might realize, but new listeners may not, so I'll clear it up for you. Aaron speaking, and I typically go first because the script that I read off of is a later generation, maybe one degree away from what we see on screen, and uh, Ryan's version of the script, though, is a very early, maybe like, one degree away I think from what was originally written. Yeah, maybe second draft. And his is crazy. Mine's a little closer in, but it has its moments of, uh, of weirdness, so uh, I'm going to go first, and then we'll get to the crazy town. Uh, is it crazy town this week? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Before we build it up. It's, it's not crazy. that. It's not that different, but there's some fun. There's some fun uh, weird okay. shit in there. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully I don't steal your thunder. So um, I have a lot of very subtle differences. The Quintesson ship 
in my version of the script is more it's it's called a quote space cruiser as yes. opposed to the monstrosity that we see. There was really no Retgar Springer fight. Hot Rod and Cup just show up right before that fight would have gone down. The Junkions make hostile signs toward the ship as it flies by. Uh, Cup makes another senile reference from his past. He talks about the, <laughs> the crocodillos of Strontero. I've not seen I have such that a sight. Um, wow, I can't believe it made it that far. Grimlock fantasizes that these people will make him king as the oh. Sharkticons did. Which uh, which that puts a whole new level of understanding on what because like, really we debated realized, that I never realized that they actually made him. King. I, I think that's in his mind, right? Yeah, but he said, but he, I mean, he does Me take control over the. Yeah, over I think in his mind now he rules way. the Sharkticons. Yeah. So um, I guess uh, he kind of does. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they listen to him. Yeah. Cup uh, says, "Don't hold your breath, Your Majesty." Oh. The Junkions shake. Cha- cha- the Junkions chase the ship until it lands, delivering the same line that we heard him deliver previously. Instead, he says, film at 5 instead of film at 11. So when the ship lands, hundreds of Junkions, weapons drawn, are aimed at the ship. Hot Rod steps out with a big smile on his face and an armful of Energon to give to the Junkions. Retgar approaches Hot Rod with a blowtorch cutting tool that he has somehow procured. Yes. And Hot Rod delivers the greeting and... Retgar puts it away all as well. What about his ping pong ball eyes? Is Retgar Does like, that make another appearance? <laughs> that doesn't. That doesn't happen in this version. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's last episode, baby. Okay. Well, mine is pretty similar to that, with some again subtle differences. There's some fun, weird differences in here. Um, basically, it's the, there's a lot that gets cut of just like the ship landing and all that shit. But in this one, Grimlock doesn't. Is the opposite, where he says, mm, "Me Grimlock, no like odds." And then Cup says, we gotta go in fighting. And then Wheelie says, fight not right, make friends get tight. That smart head, no way dead. I think I did it pretty good there. <laughs> that was pretty good. For first, like, I just sprung it on you, yeah. It well, and, well, especially considering he didn't have a on-screen reference. Yeah. He could have done anything. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. This is true. <laughs> um, and then uh, <laughs> Hot Rod, this is before they even land, Cotton Rod and Cup are debating on how to address it, and Hot Rod says, with a, sm- a small smile, sometimes you don't know who your friends are until you ask. Which is a great line. And then lands in Retgar's line here whenever the ship is landing is, Glitz Blitz ahead. Steady as she goes, Bob. Snoopy visitors. So I guess you're right, Snoopy. Snoopy, Snoopy visitors getting by in the eye by and by. Skull, salute, and high five. Gives a thumbs up sign. And Skull, I looked this up, is a skin. Cheers in Scandinavia. Yeah, it's a Scandinavian toast. Yes. Hmm. And so, uh, How'd you know that? I just happened to know it. The same reason Ryan knows, knows how bedbugs fuck. Bedbugs, bedbugs fuck. I, yeah, I... I if you really want to know, I have a former professor that now lives in Scandinavia, and, I, and I've dialogued with him before on Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. and he's cheers. Skull. Yes. All right. There you go. Yep. So, like, stuck with, like, but in a weird way, stuck with the toast thing. Right. Yes. So they went with the mud in the eye instead. Of, I don't know. Anyway, and then as they land and they get out of the ship, RC says, Hot Rod looks so different. <laughs> yeah, it's getting, it's getting shoehorned It's like here. Hot Rod's been working out. And yeah. Goes. And then they do the universal greeting, which in this one is shorter. It just says, um, uh, what was it? Gra, weep, ninny bong is what it is in this script. Um, and then everybody starts chanting it and everything. And that's basically, um, 
<laughs> We're gonna end this minute where it's with Grimlock saying, mm, "Me Grimlock like welcome, me Grimlock happy." <laughs> just great. It's just great. It's a great. It is a great minute. It's a. Nice, it's a big. It's a, for once. It's like a positive. Like it is a very nice. Things are coming. F- things are finally coming around for the Autobots. And then we're gonna switch that up <laughs> pretty soon. I don't know. This feels like a conversation maybe better saved for the credit sequences, but I'll tee it up. Okay. In that, what we see on screen is a pretty weak sort of hero's journey evolution to me. Like I never, as a kid, uh, understood like. Uh, I feel like most people who come out on the end of something and they're changed and better and have better leadership qualities or whatever, they go through a lot more. Hot Rod, basically, they landed on Quintessa, come out of it, and now all of a sudden he's a leader. I mean, I guess he's, to be fair, he has to fight Galvatron and all that kind of stuff. But I see what you're saying, and I don't disagree. I feel like his hero's journey is pretty weak. But I do feel like, at least in the movie we see on screen, they have little baby steps that they're getting to. Which uh, I never picked up on before. Of course not. This no, exercise. But. Um, but in my script, especially in the next one minute or two, it's just a smash cut into making him have leadership qualities he does not seem to possess. Oh, awesome. um, but in the movie that we see, I feel like they could have hit the beats a little harder. Uh, but yeah, it, it is like, why is this guy the leader now? Well, like in this episode, the whole like... Yeah. The fact that he takes the lead, tells Cup to stand down, let's do this universal Yeah, he's greeting. growing, which is, the, he flipped it from the prior where, on Quintessa, where his first reaction was a gun, right. and Cup was like, no, don't. So I guess they are, but it's so subtle. It's that, very subtle. That it's, it's tough to, like, get that, that you know, he's growing. Mm-hmm. He literally, though, later in the movie, literally grows. grows. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. That's Spoiler not alert, so subtle. Jesus Christ. I guess that's true. I can't wait to talk about that scene. I got a lot to say. I mean, about they that. they can't do too much before it gets to that because they really need to make that matrix like uh, make a difference. But if you had never watched this movie before, I get, and and I have the benefit of not having the experience because I saw the season three before I saw this yeah. movie. But you were probably thinking still, despite all of these hot rod growth moments, that. Ultra Magnus is going to get his second shot with Galvatron and kick his ass. Yeah, he definitely should. He or Springer are demonstrably better for leadership. Hey, where is Springer? Yeah, he's not. He's not in this scene with the dancing scene. He's like, "Fuck you." Springer doesn't. Springer's fucking dance. Springer doesn't fucking dance, man. Neither, but also neither does um, Slag or Sludge. He cho- he, neither does Blur. He picked out a or Nan- Snarl. He picked out a Nancy out of the crowd, or <laughs> or or maybe yeah. maybe what's another one of the other names? Uh, what, what, trash dump. Well, junkyard, I think is maybe one. Maybe him and junkyard. Yeah, I mean, you know, anything's possible. Anything sure. is possible, and everything is when, <laughs> when you're on junkyard. <laughs> I think. Uh, did I tell you guys my house is haunted? What? No. Yeah. Every now and again, we get this sort of whiny, pathetic. <laughs> Ooh, I feel cold. You feel I'm cold. So chilly in here. Yeah. It smells like retail. <laughs> We can. I am the ghost of the iconic moment. <laughs> you know. Well done. You <laughs> redeemed yourself. <laughs> so, so, Caleb, with that triumphant display, do you? What do you feel is the iconic moment of this? Of the this ring minute? around the rosy, dude. <laughs> the is, dancing is nice. That is yeah. a good thing to say since it's on screen. 
Caleb is like Rick. He just sees what he says. That's what he sees. Yeah, it's in the basement (laughs) of the Alamo. (laughs) Good reference. Another uh, big adventure reference. Ryan, what what do you feel? Like? I feel like it's whenever um, I I, I want to say it's when Hot Rod dips Retgar, but I don't <laughs> think I noticed that before watching this over and over. But um, I do like the part where Hot Rod does a universal greeting and is like because it's a, a growth moment. Which yeah, you know, I agree. I think that uh, yeah, it, him taking command of the situation, looking for peace instead of a fight. Mm-hmm. Definitely makes sense. Although I may never be able to unsee the dip in the ring around the rose. I love it. Moment it's here, cool. it's so good. Yeah, uh, who knew he knew how to dance? I know they get. Uh, there's some He's like leading. everybody he, here has some moves. Like he can, in the next minute, he can we fish. Leave. He can dance. <laughs> he can do it all, baby. Next time on the Autobot Decepticast, guys, we've got a busy one. Next time, mm-hmm. we're gonna see more dancing. Awesome. <laughs> we're gonna see an interspecies makeout session. Yeah, uh, we're gonna learn where the junkions learn to talk, yes. and we'll all be party to a resurrection. I don't know if they're technically interspecies. Shut up, Ryan. All right. Listen to the show iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in. Follow us on our social media: Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of them at apoddcast, and the old web presence at autopoddecepticast.com. iTunes users, please rate and subscribe. Five stars, please. Yes. Thank you. We, we, and if you want to leave a review, that'd be great, too. We'd love another review. It'd be, we really like reading them, and we'll give you a shout-out on uh, on the air. That's the APDC promise. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! Bye, everybody. Bye, bye, bye. bye. Septicast After Dark, ABDCAD. Yes, we're recording here at the top of the month of June. It's just getting into the summer, the sweaty summer months where you let your dicks out, let your pussies out, just let them flop in the breeze. You don't have any regard for local laws. <laughs> well, I'm not here to talk about that. We have a very special episode with someone. We have a guest that we're going to talk to right here. And why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, thank you. Hi, my name is Steve Cybertron. I do my podcast what is it called Steve Cybertron and I say let's roll up our sleeves and see what Steve's got to say about Cybertron that is absolutely fascinating and I will say yes I want to plug your podcast it is fantastic everybody go and listen to Steve Cybertron which is available on well it's not available anywhere yet but I've been looking into it oh that is fantastic I cannot wait until <laughs> I mean, I know that I. it seems like I have heard it, but I was kind of just being a good host and pretending like it was good. I appreciate that, yeah. It's fine, because that's mostly like, I mean, I, I've kind of been, I haven't even recorded anything, but I did talk, talk at length to a woman on a bus about it, and then I pitched her to my mother, and she was like, Steve, you're just the sweetest boy, they're gonna get some of this. <laughs> 
come and get your little pop pilot I made for you. And I'm like, Mom, you're the best mom that's ever been. That's why I got you that coffee mug for Mother's Day. This is number one mom. And she's, that sounds fantastic. She sounds like a sexy, robust woman. Yeah, I guess. Maybe we need to maybe you can bring us some of my, some some of Mama's panties in here next time. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. I was thought maybe we could talk about the Transformers. No, 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 no. no. I want to talk about Mama's bloomers. I want to talk about them. I'm gonna oh, smell them. Where I'm on my head? It's like a hat. Hey, where, hey, Steve, where you going? Where you going, man? Come on, baby. Come on, don't be like that.